are invited as we delve into the unhinged. Get out of the grave, Alan. The grotesque. And the bizarre. Speaking, what do you want? Whether you asked for it or not, this is Late Night Psychorama. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Late Night Psychorama, the podcast where you will get two movies that have nothing to do with each other, a la the glory days of the drive-in. There will be spoilers, so if you do not want the movies spoiled for you, go watch them first. And then come back. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. I'm Andrew. And today, our guest is Erica from the podcast Customers Also Watched. Hi. <laughs> Hi, again. Yeah, returning guest. <laughs> Thank you for Long having time. me again. Erica, I know that you've been here before, and I know that our <laughs> listeners and our friends probably already know who you are and know what your show is, but could you tell us a little about your show for anybody that might be dropping in for a first time? Sure. Uh, So I host a podcast called Customers Also Watched, and I follow a trail of movies on Amazon Prime. It's strictly following the Customers Also Watch list. I also do uh, the sort of side trail of episodes that Ryan and I were just sort of chatting about, um, where my friend Rebecca watches uh, either horror movies or classic essential movies that she never saw growing up. And getting her reactions is pure joy. So it's on all the things and you can follow. I'm usually commenting on late night's posts anyway. So you can find <laughs> me there too. <laughs> oh, and you're now a member of the prescribed films podcast network, right? That's right. Yes. I am in the, the PFPN club now. Congratulations. Woo! I know I put on my big girl pants and I was like, <laughs> I should do a thing with the podcast. Cause I do nothing with it. So yeah. Well, you're well. in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> Your premise is fucking perfect for a show, so I recommend anybody that likes movies at all to check that out because it's really funny. Thanks, Ryan. Joe, what movies are we doing tonight? Tonight we are doing the original When a Stranger Calls. Hello? Have you checked the children? What? Hello, could you get me the police? Well, there's nothing you can do about it down here. Uh, have you checked the children? He's watching me through the windows. Well, if he calls again, we can try to trace it. Why haven't you checked the children? Please, can't you help me? I'm all alone here. What do you want? Your blood. Sacker, we've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. Jill, just get out of that house. And the terror just begins when a stranger calls. And we are doing Cannibal Mercenary, a.k.a. The Mercenary. Thank you. 
The hunt is on for a secret treasure. Who will get? Cool. Does anybody have anything that they've seen that they would like to wax poetic about for a few minutes before we start? I do not. Go ahead, guys. I saw that late 80s version of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari that I didn't know existed. Oh, yeah. That was uh, that was amazing. That was my aesthetic interest and a half, just like cranked up to ten. Uh, that was that was a treat. That was such a treat. I will save things that I watched because it's pertinent to the oh when a stranger calls conversation. But anybody else have anything they want to talk about? I just watch. Sorry, I'm looking at my letterbox because I watch too many and I forget. So. Uh, Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, Ooh. Uh, which was a lot of fun, very dated, very of its time, uh, so many triggers, and yes. <laughs> a very young... Bo Svensson is himself a walking trigger in that movie. <laughs> a lot of the bad F word getting used all the yes. time in that movie. Oh. Very much. Um, but there's Susan Tyrell and um, young Bill Paxton. Yeah, it was it was great. Um, I like that one a lot. Um, actually, a movie that uh, you guys have covered. It was a first time watch for me. Um, John got it for me for my birthday was Next of Kin. So I watched that. I like that one a lot. It, it took a turn for me because I mean, I, uh, I remember the episode and you guys talking about it. But even still, like, given my memory, I thought it was going to be supernatural. And then it took a different turn. And that was a lot of fun. And I need to revisit that because I was very lukewarm to it, but I was also like, actually, I think we were all kind of like in a weird state when we did mm -hmm. that. So I should probably give it another chance at some point. I was very lukewarm at the start of it. And then at the end, I was like, okay, I I like that. Um, That's an Australian movie from the 80s. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's the one with the climax at like a gas station kind of thing. Yeah. okay i have seen that yeah Yeah. oh yeah i know exactly what you mean that movie amps up towards the end and kind of kind of does a little switcheroo and gets a little more lively yeah and then one other one of note and this was a rewatch for me but um i I just i've been wanting to rewatch it again and it's on youtube and i recommend this i think joe i recommended this to you too was the ship of monsters yes yeah Mm. that one is pure joy and lots of fun what, that's what kind of I'll movie say. is that? Yeah, I'm curious. It is. That's 19... all you're going to say? <laughs> well, no. Okay. It's 1960. Um, women from Venus are going to other planets and kidnapping men to repopulate their planet. And it has singing and robots and bad alien suit costumes and um, pinup, Mexican pinup models with ray guns. And it's just, it's adorable um, and so much fun. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. We should put it on the list, boys. I'll add it. <laughs> I almost picked that for this episode. I I was, like, really thinking about it, but then <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go in a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, mm-hmm. this is maybe the singular episode where we truly take two movies that have absolutely yeah. nothing to do with each other and put them next to each yeah. other. 
like literally no business being next to each other yeah <laughs> Unless maybe they were at a Thai movie theater in the 80s that was kind of doing stuff on the side and they were doing they were avoiding tax embargoes, but I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, why don't you uh, tell us about When a Stranger Calls? Kurt Duncan was put away in an asylum after he terrorized a babysitter and murdered the children she was sitting. Seven years later... He has escaped. Can the P.I. hire to find him get to him in time? Will Duncan come for the babysitter again? Hmm. Joe did a fantastic job. I mean, the the plot is pretty straightforward. Um, It's exactly what Joe says. It starts off with a babysitter uh, being uh, tormented by a uh, a potential just weirdo killer uh, calling the house, asking her to check on the children. Um, after, uh, several calls, she contacts the police, uh, they decide to trace the call and they find out that the calls are coming from inside the house. Uh, and she runs out to the door and that's when that, I guess the real movie starts where we pretty much follow, uh, a, a private, uh, a PI who is after, um, the killer who ends up killing the two children that uh, the babysitter was babysitting seven years later, uh, the PI is following uh, the killer who has escaped from the mental institution. Um, And it's basically a game of cat and mouse. And uh, that is the entire movie until we come back to the original babysitter who has now a family of her own and is once again being tormented by this killer. I must say Carol Kane's character in this movie really covered some ground in seven years. Yeah. Between (laughs) between life's real different seven years later. She went from high school (laughs) to high class. Yeah. Really high class. Banquet uh, dinner name in newspaper high class. Yeah. With at least one child that she must have had like a year after the events of the first (laughs) 20 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> it was like trauma related sex as yeah. like uh maybe it's just instantly was just like I need to, I need to get do away with all of this. I'm I need to replace these children that have died. Yeah. Yeah, she took it real personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this movie threw me for a complete loop. Uh this is a first time uh, viewing uh, for this one. I know it's a classic, but it's the first time I've gotten around to it, and I was so surprised how quickly they got into the classic babysitter man upstairs urban legend folklore. And within 20 minutes, the whole narrative arc completes itself. And I was just like, wait, now the movie's starting? Yeah, um, honestly, this this was a first time viewing for me too, and all that I knew about this movie was that first 20 minutes. I just thought that was, the entire premise was kind of taking place inside the house with the babysitter but i'm like oh oh that part's over already i'm like okay (laughs) this movie has a very weird structure it is a simple story but the structure of it is kind of weird and i've always uh kind of faulted it for that yeah, I, I don't think the parts of the movie are are bad, but I think that the way it's put together is not good and does it no favors. Ooh, interesting. I had some yeah. thoughts about that. 
Erica, what's what's your take on this one? This is a second, well, technically second viewing, but I hadn't seen it since I was a teenager. So it's really like a first time viewing because my memory is shot. So um, it was kind of the same thing where my memory of it was just the first 20 minutes. I completely blocked out the second act. And then <laughs> when we get back to the third act, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this stuff. But mm-hmm. um, that first 20 yeah. minutes is such a good movie, though. It is. I I really it, it and it, it it should get the first 20 minutes should get all the praise. But, you know, the second act just just fucking kills it for me. Um, it gets me back a little bit in the third act. I mean, especially the first act really gets it for me because child murder. So, of course, I'm on board. <laughs> mm. the, the, the house. Yeah. The, the house where where she is sitting actually represents Erica. <laughs> Everyone can see <laughs> that there is a studious, responsible person but they don't know that upstairs there's dead kids. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, if I were getting a phone call, that's like, have you checked the children? I'm like, no, what the fuck would I check on the children? Who gives a fuck about them? <laughs> yeah. Wait, why am I in this house with children? children? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, there's children upstairs. What the hell? When they bring out the child size body bags in. Yeah. At- <laughs> <laughs> and, the and they're just oh, like man. over the cop's shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> I had to change my panties. Oh, man. That was too much for me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the, the structure of this movie is fucking weird and not anything we could ever expect from like a contemporary m- movie or at least contemporary to our time period. But I, I didn't think it was bad. It was just constantly surprising. And it was taking me on routes I did not know where... I was going. And one of the weird things that it does in that period of time where it just replaces the protagonist with this weird detective guy is humanizes the villain of the movie and makes me sympathize with him when he he goes to the bar and he tries to pick up a woman after escaping a mental institution and then he just gets beaten on and covered in whiskey and dragged out. I was like, oh, no, this is just mental illness being misrepresented. And now I feel bad for the guy. Yeah, especially when uh, there's the one scene where he's in the bathroom looking in the mirror and like just reflecting on the slaying. Uh, and then he just starts freaking out. And then we get to see that he's just naked. And yeah, uh, it's just like, oh, this is <laughs> this is weird. It's like, I don't know how to feel about this. Them, yeah, you're supposed to feel horny when you see a naked man. <laughs> well, then I felt mirror. the right, uh, right feelings. Then <laughs> I'm pretty sure that in real life, Colleen Dewhurst could have just beaten the shit out of him. Yeah, yeah I think so. I find it that's that's the woman that he tries to mm-hmm. court in the bar. Mm-hmm. Yes, I find it strange that she's not at all startled he followed her home. I kind of felt that she was just putting on like she's like, oh, all right, this weirdo followed me home. I don't want to freak out and alarm him. I'm just going to act like this is totally fine and just get him out of the door. Because as soon as he does leave, she bolts up that door. Yeah. Yeah. She does play it kind of cool. Like, yeah, someone like that who I would expect them to play cool if I saw them grizzled and old and drinking in a bar alone. Yeah. If you had been married to George C. Scott twice. (laughs) <laughs> she was married to george c scott twice twice yes not once but two times twice they remarried a few years later after they had divorced the first time 
<laughs> That's amazing. What else? What is her career like? Do you know? Do you do you have a good proximity of that or sense of that? To to be honest, I I, I don't know it well. I just know that it was very long, and that she was in a number of things, stage and screen. Um, one thing that probably was mega popular that people might recognize her from was the uh, Anne of Green Gables series in the 80s. Oh, I would never recognize her from that. What is that? Yeah, you would not, but a lot of people would. <laughs> Erica, do you, are you familiar with her career? She was in The Exorcist 3 with her twice husband. Wow. Is she in it? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Is she the voice in the confessional? Yeah, it says Satan voice on Oh. Wow. That's on, a funny uh, thing to have the your wife do in the movie that you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And they were it not married by then. Oh, that would have been funny if they were like oh. on the brink of divorce <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, just make her that Satan voice, whatever." <laughs> was this divorce part 2 or was this divorce part 1? No, they, they they had already been like divorced the second time for years oh, okay. at, at at that point. So I guess they were just still friends all those years later. Another fun fact: Kevin Corrigan, that actor who's in uh, a bunch of wacky shit, is a, an altar boy in Exorcist Three. Yeah, yeah. Would have thought. All right. So we've talked about the structure. Um, does anyone else think it's also weird that he somehow finds his way back to Jill? Because I think that's kind of weird too. Yeah, I mean, how I how did he know they were going to a restaurant and like had a newspaper clipping? Oh, is that yeah, where there, the banquet there, is? Yeah, I think I there's something about it there. But at the same time, like, what are the odds of that? that? They definitely phoned that one in. But like all urban legends, they are all phoned in. Mm. And so I got to give it that much credit. But it is funny. From inside he... the house? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hmm. Was that, wait, wait, got was, him. Was Black Christmas the first one to do that? The calls are coming from with, inside the house? Black in Christmas there. was not the first one. But it was... I don't think we did, honestly. We might have privately, but not on the show, I don't think. Um, You're talking in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. It, the, yeah, when one of our bathroom trips. Yeah, East Coasters only. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Black Christmas was not first, but it was, I think, the first one to do it on a movie that had, like, any impact. I think there's one or two movies, like 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 small movies before it, that also did the calls are coming from inside the house. Foster's Christmas True. is a 1971's uh, U.S. short film that has it, and then the next sighting is Black Christmas. Oh, so it's the first um, full length then. Yeah, as far as Wikipedia is concerned. Well, well, you know. That's Speaking right. of. <clears throat> Of shorts, by the way. Uh, so the first twenty minutes of When a Stranger Calls are basically just a restaging of the director Fred Walton's short, The Sitter, from the year prior, right? Yes, or two years prior, one or two years. But yeah, it, 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 that's literally what it is. It's mm. a nicer made version 
of it. That makes sense. That, that, that must be why it feels like such a completely different movie. It definitely. Yeah, because it's the one that he cared about. Yeah. It's like, yeah, and <laughs> then just have the next act, the cop chasing. It, like, the next act is pretty boring, so. The next act is not a cop chasing the guy. It is a private detective who decides that he is going to execute the guy. Yeah, with needles? Gets, with needles that he throws. Yeah. And that he gets approved by the form, his former, uh, I guess, cop part person that he worked with that might have been under him or a partner yeah. who is now higher up in ranks mm-hmm. and it's just a police sanctioned murder if you do this you got to do it right yeah he, yeah he rolls over so easy too because he's so against it for like five minutes and then at the last he's just like well he mentions the needles and he's just like yeah that's that's how i do it yeah needles that's the move <laughs> <laughs> that's right like I was against it. Drill. I initially was against it, but you mentioned the needles, and yeah, now I'm on board. I gotta admit, the needles just really excite me. You can have this one. <laughs> Gonna go take care of this mustache. <laughs> There's a really cool chase scene uh, in the 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 I guess hostel or the men's center, the shelter that he's staying in, and the the, the PI tracks him there, and they get into a chase, and he just starts waking everybody up. And people are just, first there's a room of people who have bunk beds, and then there's just another floor. I guess you're upgraded in the, the place, and you have your own bedroom. Mm-hmm. There's all these guys coming out of their bedroom with their hands down their pants yeah. as they're doing it. Like, <laughs> I guess they're kind of adjusting themselves, but also like two of them definitely have their Wait, hands no, That's how you put your pants on. You put your, you put your hands inside out in your groin area, and then you put your pants on. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great, though. I love that chase scene. This movie is timed like no other movie is timed, but I, I did have fun with its surprising element in timing. Yeah, the the parts of it that work, work, but it needed to go through another draft or two because... Yeah, it, tighten it up it, a little it bit. It hangs very tenuously together, mostly due to that weird second act of the movie. Erica, what 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 did you find most weird about the second act or the second and third act? The second act specifically, it just doesn't, it, I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with it other than it doesn't belong in that movie. Like it just, it just doesn't fit with it tonally. It, it just, it feels, everything feels out of order in this movie. Uh, yeah. So I just, um, and yeah, it sucks. Like I fault the movie for that second act, even though the second act isn't necessarily bad, but it feels like it belongs in like a cop chasing escaped killer thriller movie, not a, you know, the killers inside the house horror movie. It's totally a third rate police procedural from the seventies. Once we get to that second act. Yeah, I just and and just like the portrayal of mental illness and and all of that. And I don't want to sympathize with that guy. Like, I mean, I was already on his side because he killed two kids. But like, I mean, normal people, (laughs) you know, you don't want to want to do that. So I just it, it, you know, it didn't work for me. And the third, like I said, the third act kind of gets me back, but not enough for me to like fully be in support of it, I guess. Mm. Uh, I hear that. I don't it's definitely movie... a short they try to turn into a movie, which is, I guess, like, right, which is right. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, I, I, is the short just the first act? Yeah, that's, yes. that's it. 
And I, I think this movie, I might have read it somewhere, that uh, I think it was advertised as kind of like just the, the killer in the house type of movie. And so I can imagine a lot of people were disappointed as soon as it was about the P.I. chasing the, the mentally ill person. But I yeah. wonder if those people would be as excited as I was for this movie for it to, A, look so drippingly 70s. Everything's very brown, mm-hmm. everything wide frame. Yeah. The film stock's great. And then also starring Carol Kane for two acts of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the the movie pretty much survives purely because Carol Kane and Charles Durning are there. Now, yeah. I think most of our listeners are probably familiar with Carol Kane, but, uh, you know, most famously on this podcast in the Mafu Cage, but, you know, mm-hmm. she's in Annie Hall and uh, the Adams Family and Scrooged and, well, and other great stuff that I can't recall off the top of my head. Okay, well, here, here, here's a funny thing. So she she got a Best uh, Actress nomination for Hester Street in 76, 75, 76. And she was like, okay, you know, I've, I've gotten there. You know, my career's in a good place. I've been, like, recognized for my ability. You know, now, you know, I'm going to be an established actress and, you know, I'm going to get to do all kinds of good roles and everything. And then she said the phone didn't ring for over a year Wow! after her Academy Award. And when it did, it was Gene Wilder from inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) That would be weird if Gene Wilder was just in your house. But if it was Gene Wilder, I would allow it because it's Gene Wilder. Like I want to be covered in your blood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So she she was very confused because she didn't understand why Gene Wilder wanted her to be in a comedy. Uh, It was um, the world's greatest lover, which actually is a very funny movie that kind of got buried when it was released it didn't really do well but it it, it's good though it's funny it's like a it's a take on um silent movies where uh he's trying to create a um like he's trying to get a piece of like of like the uh the rudolph valentino market basically and it's it's got a really clever uh premise to it but um, that was what kind of opened doors for her, like to start actually doing a lot of like comedic stuff later. That she, until that point, was like, I I had never done anything comedic before, so I don't know why he thought of me for it. But I'm glad that he did because if he hadn't, I don't know where I would have ended up. What what roughly what year was that? Or- Uh, it was 77 and the only thing i think that would happened in between which was like before like she was in something else before that that came out but that was the first phone call that she got after hester street i feel like the mafu cage was 77 78 that's 78 okay that's 78 and Annie Hall uh, is 76 or 77, right? 77. Damn. Oh, yeah. wait. So she was in that then, and she got the call. 
No, the call came uh, like she she was in Annie Hall, and there's something else that I can't think of. But the the call from Gene Wilder to do the world's greatest lover was the first thing that she got after she didn't do anything for a year, and That's then I wild. think like production, you know, it just it took longer for that one to eventually be done. That's crazy. Can can you even remember back like back in the day when people used to call each other? <laughs> Calling the <laughs> telephone. When you got when, when you got the call. You know what else happened in 1979 other than this movie? Uh, Dawn of the Dead theatrical release. The Muppet movie? I was born. The Muppet movie. <laughs> Which also has Carol <laughs> Kane and Charles Durning in it. Charles Durning's in that? Yes, he's the the villain of the Muppet movie. No shit. He, he's one of the Yeah, he wants to kill I- Kermit and eat him. <laughs> That's wild. That is what the villain wants to do to Kermit the fucking frog? He yeah. has a, a like a chain of like like frog leg specialized restaurants and he wants Kermit. Yeah, he wants those talking frog dead. legs. Yes. Kermit just wants to make it big in Hollywood like me, right? Right. You are Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I always thought I was the Kermit of my own story. They are also both in Dog Day Afternoon. Shit, that's right. So I'm not really familiar with his career other than that he's a face that I know. But yeah, that that's pretty much it. He's just he's been in a fuck ton of things. He was in uh like Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, which is a personal favorite of mine. I still got to see in. that. Erica, what are your feelings on Dark Knight of the Scarecrow? Yeah, I'm with Ryan. Sorry, haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't okay. seen it either. We can set up an excuse to watch it on an, a later podcast. There we go. And then yeah, make John watch it Amazon. because he refuses to watch it again. And I know that he would like it if he watches it again. All right. Versus mode. Muppet movie versus Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that depends on the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine if you're having a dog day, then there's, there's a certain, certain movie for that. <laughs> right. On dog days, you watch Dog Day Afternoon. Does anybody have any um, familiarity with the babysitter folklore urban legend? I do not. I have none, actually. Outside of horror movies, no. Uh, Scary stories to tell in the dark? No? Mm, No. That's Uh, after my time. The earliest sighting I could find of it was in the 60s, and I I really wonder what what correlates to it. Uh, When, When was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark actually done? Those were published, I want to say, in the late 80s or early 90s. I don't recall, but okay. I had the first uh, series of them when I was like baby kid. Mm. But they are compilations. They're not original stories, and they're, a lot of them are compilations of you know folklore and urban legends and limericks and sing songs mm. and just weird things. But it seems that this story appears in the 60s, and I wonder why it appears in the 60s, or like what people were doing with phones, where they figured out they could call each other from inside the house. How did a rotary phone work that way? I guess because a lot of houses sometimes would have multiple lines. Um, back in oh, you, you didn't necessarily need multiple lines, because I remember doing that as a kid. Like, I, if I was yeah. upstairs, and I would 
like if I wanted, I didn't want to murdering go the children upstairs <laughs> and calling the babysitter downstairs. Yeah, well, no, but like calling down, da- like I would call downstairs. Like you would just hmm. not, like. I wonder oh, you what's know. behind that because, like, in my house, if, if you anywhere in the house, if you picked up, like, there was just another, like, it was just a dial tone. I don't think right, I... but if you, yeah, if you called your your own number, then hung up really quickly, it would start ringing, and then the person downstairs could pick it up, and then you pick it up, like right, like right after what? they did. I never knew that. Oh, wow. I did that all the time as a kid. That's I wild. also did that all the time as a kid to my okay. mother. I'm glad that you could remember the cheat code to it because I couldn't remember the cheat code. To you that. hung up. Okay. Cause I remember, <laughs> yeah. I think I did that as a kid and I just got a busy signal. Right. Yeah. You got to hang up to, for it to, for it to ring, but you got to do it quick. Mm. This story has to originate when rotary phones were still around and I can't even wrap my brain around how that would have worked with the spin. I don't even know how a rotary dial phone works. You just have a circle with other circles in it and numbers in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just put your finger yeah. in the circle and you just, pull it i get in trouble when i put my finger in the circle and pull it Mm -hmm. in virtually every other situation (laughs) yeah well in this situation if only you had a rotary phone (laughs) (laughs) this seems like an easy summary of this movie does anybody have any really juicy thoughts they want to get out yes Uh, i do good but you you can you guys go ahead if you got something i think joe's got something more interesting than me i just have a quick note here and I'm going to apologize in advance for this. Um, so the villain, Tony Beckley, he's the killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kurt oh, Duncan. yeah. He yes. also played the villain Harrison Chase in parts one through six of the Seeds of Doom and Doctor Who. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, it lives. Sorry. <laughs> I, John, I've been scratching my head trying to figure out Doctor Who references without any knowledge of Doctor Who. Just to just to keep my torch alive. Okay, I went. I looked up Tony Beckley because I was like, "Well, what else has he been in?" Because I know his face from other things. Immediately mm-hmm. got angry. And then I looked at the IMDb and I just stared at it. <laughs> <laughs> and you yes. can't escape it. Can't. <laughs> wow, it's all in good fun, Joe. What did you have? What you seems like you did have a really meaty thing to say. Okay, I'm going to say maybe controversial opinion time. Whoa. Though I'm not the only person that I've heard say this, but I would imagine that most people would call this sacrilege because they completely overrate this movie. I mean, you know, decent as it is and, you know, an excellent 20 minutes in the beginning as it is. But the sequel, 1993, Showtime. When a stranger calls back, superior. Wow, Ooh. I've not I maybe that. not to the to the to the original to the original's first twenty minutes, but then again, it also doesn't necessarily try to do that. But overall, all around, better. Wow, I can't imagine anything made for TV in the early nineties being better than. Virtually any movie from the seventies. <laughs> it is structurally, it makes more sense. Um, overall performances are better. You kind, they kind of do this neat thing where um, you think you're going to be saddled with uh, this one character, the sitter that we are dealing with in 
in this movie. And then you're not because she ends up in a hospital bed and kind of taken out of the rest of the movie. And it becomes uh, focused completely on Carol Kane and Charles Durning and they're reprising their characters from the original. Oh, that's interesting. That might be worth a view, though it does seem equally unconventional. Well, I mean, like, that's a Hitchcock thing. That's, you know, you think you're getting one character and then you're not, like Psycho. Amazing amazing you bring up Hitchcock because the first thing that my brain went to at the end of the first act of this movie was Psycho. And I thought that that was what was happening and that was where we were going with this one. And we kind of do i think a little bit yeah uh well i think fred fred walton kind of cut his teeth on on hitchcockian stuff so that's was sort of in his dna as a filmmaker and the performances are better in the 90s version but carol kane lets out a fucking hell like banshee scream at the end in public and has a meltdown when she gets that well carol kane Carol Kane is wonderful in everything, so it doesn't really, like, you know, her bar is always eternally, you know, at a certain spot, really. Carol Kane can carry Carol Kane's confidence confidently. Yes. Speaking of Kane's, why does that guy have so many fucking Kane's in there? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I asked the same question when I was watching. I was like, why do you need eight? Is there eight? It felt like there was twenty in there. Why would like, you need there... more than two? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I I was like, why are there so many? And now you're saying that there was only eight, and I feel like um, what's her name in Beyond the Seventh Door, where I can't count screws <laughs> on the wall. I do remember what? that. Like, was were, are you sure some of them weren't umbrellas or something, or were they all canes? No, they all looked like canes. <laughs> Could they be secretly swords disguised as canes or fishing? I'm sure at least one of them is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And not because he's going to use it, but just because he thinks it's cool. Oh, He's a doctor. (laughs) Hey, did anybody find anything in this movie effective? First 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because um, I know this is probably like a known fact, but um, when... I had not seen this movie before and it is very, I was thinking like scream the entire time, like for the first 20 minutes. And I know that's like, I'm sure Wes Craven was intentional and, and like, yes, completely mm-hmm. uh, paying homage or whatever to this. So yes, that was a deliberate homage. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it is. Yeah. It's the best part of the movie and I can see why that has, I mean, uh, L- lest we it. not forget, a cop is trying, or an ex-cop is trying to assassinate a mentally unstable person with syringes that he throws. Yeah, yeah. I mean that it sounds wacky and fun and stuff like that, but it's not what. Uh, when I'm coming, when I put this movie on, I did, I did not want to see that. I wanted to see the first twenty minutes. That's what I was expecting, and it's well done. And um, I can see that being the main reason why it's probably overrated, as you said, Joe. Yes, you wanted you wanted to see Black Christmas. Yeah, but instead you got just like a kind of like a typical seventies like kind of cop chasing criminal. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost, and I don't mean this to be as as a derogatory thing, but like it's almost made for TV. Yeah, yeah. I could totally see that. 
we get some really grisly flashbacks though that I think are effective. And oh yeah, when you just see him bathing in the children's blood. Uh-huh, on the bed and he's he's looking in the mirror and he's naked and he's having that flashback. Yes. Then also his beating that he takes in the bar and the guy gets up and it's just bloody knuckles and it's like probably a mishmash of like, you know, yeah. the bad guy's blood on his knuckles but also his own raw knuckles from the guy pees on him while he's on the ground. Oh wait, that's the next movie. Sorry. Yeah, that's a bunch of times. <laughs> Too many times in the next movie. I love it. No, there's a perfectly good waste of wild turkey in this movie that I don't understand. He just empties it all over the guy. I mean, yeah, I'm like, I hope he paint. paid for that. Yeah. Or, and why I would he? Hope, right? Mm, I'm going to drink more whiskey at that. <laughs> chin chin. Okay. Yeah. All Are right. we going to anything else we want to add? No. No. <laughs> All right, everybody. Is that a thumbs up? Let's start with our guest. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it, the first 20 minutes are make it worth watching. But it sounds like you didn't really enjoy this. I, I, it's fine. You know, it's just it's one of those movies that it's just it's just fine. Like the first 20, but the first 20 minutes are just great. So I can't completely discount it. But, uh, you know, I guess a very soft thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I say you have to watch this movie, but it is kind of the second act is bit, like flat, a bit flat comes off a bit flat and uh, it's, uh, it's kind of bleh, but you know, got to watch it. So I give it a, I give it a flaccid thumbs up. Flaccid thumbs up. So we got two flaccid thumbs up. Joe. I, I concur. It's a flaccid <laughs> thumbs up. I think it's worth watching, but it's not all it's cracked up to be. Outside of the endlessly talked about 20 minutes in the beginning. Shit. I might be the odd one out. You loved it. I know you did. Yeah. I give. Well, I didn't love it, love it, but I give it a, a solid thumbs up in the sense of that it is a world and an era that I like to live in. And I really appreciated how unconventional its narrative practice was in the sense of the words that it kept me plugged in. Or it's just like it pulled the rug out from underneath my feet at the end of the first act. And I really wanted to know where it was going from there. With that said, it does fall too much, way too much in the police procedural 70s style cop chasing bad guy role. But it's full of so many rich little nuggets like uh, Private Eye bursting through doors like Kool-Aid Man as they blast off the hinges and throwing syringes at the bad guy <laughs> and the bad guy having flashbacks where he's covered in child's blood and friggin' the homeless man that's trying to sucker him into it just feels like a little perfect articulation of things I've seen in real life in it. Carol Kane at the end can't beat her. She just, her scream and her panic and her meltdown just I think really seals the deal and protects the movie from going too poorly in the wrong direction though there was that lovely little bit where her kids she's tucking her kids to sleep and her little girl says i love you and i absolutely did not want to see that little kid murdered in any way shape or the form which made me just want the movie to end with those kids dead just so it would hurt me extra special in that 70s mm-hmm. grindhouse trash movie way but thumbs up cool i think it was decent i did forget about that scene where charles Durning just like blasted through those doors and the hinges they came off their hinges that was really funny that's right after we see the men with the hands down their pants yeah. this is the one one of those two things i was eating popcorn i'm like yay all right we'll be back after this word from our network 
You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Okay, Joe, tell us about Cannibal Mercenary. Sergeant Wilson accepts a secret mission to take out a drug lord who hides in the jungles of Vietnam. Wilson and his men will end up in a nightmare beyond their imagination and yours. So, Ryan, I saw on the show notes you were like, what the hell is the mission? That is... An excellent question because I had to actually dig to find that answer myself. Well, wait, should I try to sum it up real quick and then you can actually tell me what the mission is? Go ahead. All right. Man on a mission movie. Mission unknown. <laughs> Daughter has polio. Polio. Has to do In 1970-whatever. Yeah. Has to do mission to, to Vietnam to uh, uh you know get into vietnam and do some stuff but in order to stop daughter from having polio goes in it's there the money that he's been been offered the money that he's been offered as we know money cures all things including polio goes to vietnam does some things with some sketchy mercenaries all crooked pasts and then eventually runs afoul of a drug dealer north Vietnamese gang lord man who has just recruited a gang of cannibals to be his gang and uh, it's one hour and 40 minutes of non-stop Vietnam exploitation action and cannibal movie nonsense and it is fucking awesome <laughs> it is it was kind of funny because I thought that they just tacked on the cannibal just to cash in on all the other cannibal <laughs> movies, and I'm like, yeah, there's not going to be any cannibals in this, and I was wrong. Lest we forget, the cannibals are not just the cannibals; they are a an army referred to as the Dracula that has been <laughs> cre- created from, uh, I guess, locals and more indigenous people that are implied to be living in Vietnam and are also cannibals. Ah, this movie was insane, but I still don't know what the initial mission was. <laughs> and that's where you come in, Joe. He's supposed to take out the drug lord. That's what and I thought he, it was. <laughs> yeah, they, they he sends him there. He says, when you get there, you'll meet up with so-and-so, and then you'll get the details. That's and the, they get more than the details. Yeah, that's the linchpin. Is that the mission was you have to go and get the details. Yeah, and the details that end up coming are the 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 boss. That stuff all got right. lost in bad dubbing for me. I did. This movie is so bewildering right from the beginning. <laughs> this in a positive is- way. Like like I watched it. I sat there confused. <laughs> and like 
like I was like, okay, th- this will probably sound really fucking pretentious and very strange, but of all the Vietnam themed movies I've probably seen, maybe with the exception of Apocalypse Now, I, I feel like this movie made me feel the insanity of that environment more than yeah. any other one I've seen. Yeah, like, I mean, uh, I think it's, you know how people, like, Vietnam vets, like, being scared of, like, a bush or something with PS, uh, yeah. like, tra- uh, stresses. You know how they're afraid of bushes? <laughs> I mean, but, like, you know what I'm saying? You, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, Trees. See, you see, like, when that's, like, in movies and stuff like that, where they're just, like, any noise kind of reminds them of war or something like that. It's like, yeah, god damn, right. if people were really hiding in, like, lily pads and bushes and shit like that, if that's what it was like, I'd be scared of everything, too. Ah, and it was! <laughs> There's so much that I want to and need to unpack, but Erica, I I feel like you got to explain yourself. Why did you choose this movie? Yeah, Erica, why did you do this to us? (laughs) Because I knew you all would love it. I mean, well, okay. So John and I watched it uh, a couple months ago, maybe. And it just, it's, Nomsploitation is probably one of my least favorite subgenres because I I feel like all of them are just the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. What? But, you don't like Siege of Firebase Gloria? No, we've already established that nobody but John <laughs> likes that movie. <laughs> um so this one like it makes zero sense. It <laughs> like okay, my favorite thing about this movie no, was not the first time I watched it, but uh a couple days ago when Joe sent me a screenshot of the guy oh, yeah. and I call, I use the term guy loosely who peed on everyone. <laughs> With just, you know what? No words, just a picture of that guy. And I knew exactly where he was at in that movie. And I was like, oh. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the guy I, looks like sloth from the Goonies. Yes. Yeah. That <laughs> if he was in the Viet Cong. <laughs> <laughs> and these this, these weird murky waters that we just navigated out into, that is probably the most sensitive and uh, logical way to explain this character to our audience if they have not seen the movie before. Yeah. There's it's, just no, it's very difficult to talk about that guy. Yeah. It, it just, it has this very, like, um, I don't want to call it pastiche, but there there is, like, a sort of Bruno Mattei element to it that, oh, I, yeah. like... That I really appreciate. <laughs> and when it got to it, it has no direction whatsoever. Like, you know, we established like, what is the mission and having to try to figure that out. But then it'll throw in like people getting peed on. And then um, not once. Oh, yeah. Not twice, because two people <laughs> get peed on. This is a whole other scene where people get peed on again. And it's even more people getting peed on. Yeah. But the end is really like where I was like, I love this movie. Yeah. <laughs> the end end. The real yes. end. Yeah. Where he has his PS- PTSD flashback. See, it's harder to say than anything. Well, like when we finally get to the cannibalism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, so oh, before that. that. But yeah, not the end end, but when we get to the cannibal, finally get to the cannibalism towards the end. Yeah. When, I, like, when we're like, is. okay, yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> then I was like, okay, this is disgusting and I love it. Yeah, that, I oh, go ahead. No, none of you. I was just saying, gonna say I agree with Erica so much uh, about, especially what you said about, um, 
like nom exploitation movies kind of not being your favorite. Um, sometimes when I I know a nom exploitation movie is getting played, I'm just like, this this will be hit or miss for me. Like it'll either be really boring or I mean I, I don't I don't you really know what you're gonna see when you put one on. But this one had it was like over the top with everything. It was it was crazy and you got so much gore. And then just when you think things can't get crazier, like Dawn of the Dead theme music comes on and yeah. it just made it that much better. <laughs> yeah. That music also popped up in a Sue Hark movie that I watched recently called Dangerous Encounters of the First Kind. And it, it's about these just like nerds that are like maybe it, it's like 1981-ish and there are nerds that are possibly incel dudes that just decide to be terrorists and they're just like blowing up Hong Kong and they meet a seductress. But like the main driving theme was that slice of goblin. That is the main driving theme in this movie. And it's just, yeah. why was that so popular to steal? It just it fits everywhere, I guess. Just goes with it, anything. Yeah, it works. Really works. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this movie is, it's, it's nasty. It's violent. It's a downer. The child has polio. There's people. There's there's a guy eating maggots. There's a guy who gets a fucking the like nail ball. driven through his skull. Like, come on. This movie's One guy gets his best. dick chopped off and he still tries yes. to rape another lady. Yes. By maybe vagina dentata. It's not really clear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or what? Happens. I rewound. That. Yeah, I'm like, Did I, I didn't understand what happened there. Yeah. <laughs> That, that also is the same character so that right funny. before that she has uh you know joined the squad of heroes and there's guns and stuff's blowing up and the main hero guy takes her down he's like what are you trying to die do you have a death wish and she turns towards the camera and smiles as a zoom zooms in on her <laughs> and, yeah. implying she just decimates the fourth wall implies that yeah maybe she is trying to die wow. and right after that is when the the cock thing happens yep. and which made me start developing headcanon is it just a fucking frank henlotter monster in there just chomping nomskis off and uh or is it fucking the baby that she has because she's mm. pregnant is that the thing that's eating penises and then but then <laughs> yeah. just all's dead-ended because she gets shot to and- death after What's funny is that all those scenarios you you suggested, like any one of them could have, I was like, yeah, it could go that way if this movie, this movie's crazy enough to do any of those things. This movie's crazy enough to do anything. I wanted to uh, go back a little (laughs) bit with, um, did anyone get the feeling that this, uh, this was written for like the main guys, the mercenary guys being like American or something? And in the end, maybe couldn't get anyone, and so it's just they made them Taiwanese, like they're, they're like that's the country they're coming from to invade Vietnam. Wait, did ta- Taiwan have beef with Vietnam during the <laughs> Vietnam War? Like, what's going no, on? No, check it. In the seventies, there was the, there were these massive tax embargoes on Western cinema um, that made it so expensive that American distributors would stop releasing movies in Taiwan. Uh, or I'm sorry, not Taiwan, Thailand. Thailand okay. is where this is. Oh, okay. Thailand. I'm going to say Thailand, Thailand again. Thailand. The fucking, yeah. In Thailand, there were these massive uh, embargo tax 
issues on Western film distribution. So they just stopped getting American movies, but all these people were brought up on American movies. So then they were forced using their economy to manufacture their own movies, which uh, apparently you get a lot of um, like Shaw Brothers wannabe movies and Western wannabe movies like Apocalypse Now exploitation, which maybe you might find in this one. But uh, it, it's interesting to see because they their whole uh, essentially what happened was in the 70s and 80s was just a wave of exploitation cinema from mm -hmm. Thailand that were all action movies and they were all influenced heavily by other cultures movies. Uh, and that was just because they weren't bringing other cultures movies into the mm -hmm. country. So Thailand didn't have any beef with Vietnam during the Vietnam War. I couldn't mm -hmm. speak to that. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that they didn't. But um, yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah pretty it seems more reasonable. Though. They would just make that they they just want to make their action movie <laughs> and use that landscape. Well, the whole, like I was thinking that the entire time, and then the 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 very end of the movie, because I'm like, yeah, that still doesn't make sense. Why would I said Taiwan, but yeah, Thailand be have sending mercenaries into Vietnam? Um, and then we get to the end, and I'm like, oh, he's just crazy. He's just <laughs> like he just the whole thing was just like uh. A, a weird hallucination for him. What? Thailand. Uh, I'm sorry. Wait. If I can just inter interject. Thailand ah. was actually the third largest provider of ground forces to the South Vietnamese oh. in, in the Vietnam War. So there was that some kind place. of sense there. Yeah. So, yeah, that fits. That nestles right into both of those niches. It's like the the exploitation cinema and then also just random nationalism against another country. Right. I, but, I just wait. expected them to be like American mercenaries just going into Vietnam and getting killed by traps and shit. Andrew, can we unpack what you just said about it all being a hallucination? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So wait, when he, when, uh, when he's in the hospital at the end and he's seeing, isn't it all his buddies? Like all his buddies were in the beds too. Like the dude playing the harmonica and I think it's implied people that look like their buddy, his buddies. Oh, I thought it was just them. And it's like, oh yeah, this whole time it was just kind of, it was just like his, uh, you know, uh, his friends that he hangs out with every day. And he just had this whole like mercenary dream. I, I actually like went to. I'm, I'm sorry. I I I thought I actually thought it was a he was dead situation. Oh, they're all in the the. Ooh, the Jacob's ladder situation. <laughs> yeah. No. There's a sequel. It can't be. There can't be that. There is a sequel. So I don't know. I think. I think it might have been what Ryan was thinking. Like it's they're just people who look like them because I thought mm. they all just went great. Everyone died at the end, and this yeah. is like totally. his. PTSD and he's yes. thinking like oh that's flute guy oh that's the guy who shot his wife oh that's the guy mm -hmm. who was mustache rapey guy uh, mm -hmm. and got his dick cut off or <laughs> sliced off yeah they all look like the same people so I just assumed well I, I, we, we watched like a VHS transfer so I you know we I, watched a super cut that was a DVD source and also um, VHS source but it all looked VHS yeah. and it seemed <laughs> yeah. to suggest that this movie is presented and shot on a native format that looks better than the uh, four by three, and yeah. it because some shit happened off screen. A right? lot of shit kept <laughs> happening off screen, but it seemed like the blocking lent this idea that lent to the idea that there was potential for you know widescreen shooting. And yeah. uh, I hope it, that's available somewhere. 
it needs. I think there was a German Blu-ray release that cut out all the gore, and that's why I, I tracked. There's a Blu-ray for this. <laughs> Bizarrely, I want to own it so badly with none of the gore in it. <laughs> yeah, know, that right? would make it not fun. But yeah, yeah. what a waste. Well, I don't know because there's beyond the gore in this movie, we get a lot of stuff that is just bananas and is a lot of fun. Particularly, I my, know, my favorite but. Scenes. No, yeah, the gore the, definitely adds like a like thirty percent of the fun. I think. I totally. guess as long as the pee is still in it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Not just one pee, not just two peas, four, five peas. Yeah, five a lot of peas. The first pee, the first time that the guys get peed on, <laughs> they are under. Yes, let's break it down. These guys are under a bridge, and the, the, the bad guys come walk in on the bridge and stop above the protagonists to take a pee. And mm-hmm. they set it up perfectly for this, um, I guess, set piece where they get peed on and they have to pretend to be still hiding while just taking facefuls of piss. But the weirdest thing about the whole scene is these guys are just standing on the bridge, not pissing off the bridge, but just seemingly pissing right onto the bridge. (laughs) Yeah, they're not pissing off of it, they're pissing on it. Yeah, Like, they could have just done that anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But they had to go to that spot of this really long bridge, (laughs) just pissing through the cracks (laughs) of the wood. And these guys get this golden shower before just executing everybody. that, That was insane. Yeah. Also, the snake. Oh, when yeah. the other, the one guy catches the snake. Like mm-hmm. a, he, he he wrestles with a real, like a real, like thirty foot boa that's like clearly trying to bite him. Get the dumping. Yeah, you know, he's Whoa. just like, oh, you little slippery fella, or whatever he's saying. Here, oh. I'll read it to you verbatim. <laughs> My lovely little snake, you slippery little thing. I wish you could have a pair. I wish I could have a pair of fangs like yours. Your belly's a glob of. Bit to the touch, you slimy, wretched, oversized eel. Mmm, I love you. Come here and give me another kiss with those big, long fangs. <laughs> brilliant, Joe. Yeah, Joe. I think you need brilliant. to do some. You do need to do more readings on this podcast. Honestly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did that happen off screen? That was audio that we hear while this character is off screen over a shot of two other characters sitting down to i guess begin their scene together but that that monologue happens over the top of their yeah. scene before they even get started yeah they and realize that, that right, was clearly was... the more interesting thing that was going on right yeah. and we don't get to see it at all <laughs> what was he doing to that public concern? also i <laughs> good i'm sorry that man scales a tree upwards vertically and gets it and then brings it down and then just has mm-hmm. to wrestle it and the yeah. dubbing is just a oh he's like i got you yeah it looks like he was trying to like yeah he was like in love with it it was like his little his little play thing you can tell that wasn't scripted that that guy that actor he just definitely found a snake and they were like let's film this i any of this movie was scripted (laughs) i was shocked pleasantly that we did not see that snake die on camera. I was right, expecting right? it to. because I was waiting for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I right? gonna, like nothing do happens some horrible to that thing snake. to it. Yeah, like we he just know. made a friend, I guess, and that was it. Yeah, the end. <laughs> that snake died. You know it did. I'm sure I mean, it got peed now. on at some yeah. point, but <laughs> well, they can live for like oh, yeah, you're there. yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. It might still be alive depending mm-hmm. on how old it was. Yeah. Erica, what did you just say? 
Oh, I was saying the snake is dead now, probably. But yeah, it's true. It could still be alive if it didn't die in the movie. They just mm-hmm. took it off screen in the movie and still massacred it with a machete for yeah. no reason whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. So, Ryan, you mentioned the whole like man on a mission thing. So I'm a mm. woman on a mission because there is a sequel yeah. to this movie. Yes. Employed for Die 2, a.k.a. Cannibal Mercenary 2. And I, I, I have no idea where or how I would find this movie. But apparently um, there is more flesh eating and there is a scene of a man making out with a monkey. What? Oh, I need to see this movie. <laughs> that sounds like it would be a movie that would be illegal for us to watch. <laughs> like I, we, there's a reason it we can't should find be. It. it should be. Uh, that sounds. Yeah, I need to find that and watch it too. Like that's if it's anything close to what this movie was like. So spe- speaking of which, so Operation Jaguar or whatever it is, is that like a <laughs> different cut of the? This movie, I don't. Know. I don't. I couldn't find anything no on idea. that other than it's just alternate titles. Jaguar Project is what came up on the version that I watched. Uh, not Jaguar Project because Project. it has a different yeah. year on it, and I was like oh. really confused because it has the same people, but it's five years later. Like it, it's billed as eighty-eight, and well, I was wondering know. if there was some sort of different version of this movie perhaps with less urine or something no you know how that works with with regional distribution and all that you know movie escapes its country and finally sees mm-hmm. another market gets a new title maybe that's the german one oh with i don't movie, know right? but then why would it have a different year and like why would they treat it as though it's a different movie uh mm-hmm. theatrical release well in this yeah. one i'm trying to what this movie it was just called mercenary right in the in, in the opening credits the, yeah the even... and then the and the end credits was it the jaguar project i can't remember mine was oh, jaguar were... project on opening credits oh wow okay yeah I, I don't i i don't know what the closing credits said but ours did say mercenary when we started the opening credits mm. okay. uh, how good is the use of the dawn of the dead score throughout the movie and then at the climax, when the hero is being watching all of his comrades get tortured to death in horrible ways, pick and hammer through the head, fucking fireworks torture, uh, some other things that happen. But he, he just has this look on his face. He's like, oh, no, what's happened? Then we cut to the backups kind of observing the situation. Then we cut back. And for the first time in this whole movie, we just have the car chase small seal up dawn of the dead soundtrack instead of the slow wafty goblin dawn of, dawn of the dead tra- soundtrack and the hero is suddenly tied to dynamite and he's looking down at the dynamite like oh no this got even worse than it was the last time i made a face <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that movie picked up so much for me when that happened right there <laughs> for no reason either. It's just it, that's no, it's no reason that should have worked that way. Yeah, it just did. Joe. Yes. I want to know what your favorite part of this movie is. <laughs> Got to type it out first. <laughs> My favorite part of this movie. 
Yeah, what which organ of like gore or limb <laughs> severed was your favorite part? The the spike through the head was good. Yes. I especially liked the hanging where everyone was clearly just in a mm. harness. Mm-hmm. It, but still strangely brutal mm. and effective. Um the uh the the standoff where the woman is screaming with the gun to her head that they do like the Sergio Leone Oh my god good the bad and the ugly frame jumping like for an obnoxious amount of time. Too much time. I that that was actually gonna be one of my favorite scenes, but I didn't want to say it because I thought it would make me sound like a monster. No, no. that was amazing. There's Viet Cong sloth. You can't forget about him <laughs> and his tongue that will not stay in his head at all. There's okay, so there's too much to choose from. Yeah, I don't like. I I don't know if I can choose a favorite scene. It's this movie as a whole is just one big like. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Show me more of favorite scenes. Like I'm, I'm fu- I'm with you. Mm-hmm. continue like that's kind of how i was throughout this movie was just huh okay let's uh let's see what else happens yeah <laughs> and there's uh i know eric had mentioned it but the the maggot eating scenes like it was just so if anyone hasn't seen it real maggots were eaten during the scene and this guy was just going to town with those maggots, mm-hmm. maggots they are nutritious harmed. yeah what's that maggots were certainly harmed during oh the yeah of this film yeah yeah, but yeah, they're bugs. Wait, no, Andrew, we got to go back to child standoff. Like, I, I, I know oh, I interrupted, yeah. but that is no, no, this yeah. movie. This movie is edited by a madman. <laughs> like, it, it was the, every uh, set of eyes that they zoomed in on was was there for like an iota of a second, and it was just constant for like ten minutes of just changing eyes and faces and stuff. It was great at and rapid was, speed. Yeah, very fast. With more density and like ex- uh, unpacking of how many faces are involved in it, too. Yeah. It just gets faster and faster, and there's more and more faces. <laughs> yeah. With a child suffering who just ends up dead. Yeah. Just gets shot to pieces. <laughs> I, I've, de- I've determined there are two related themes between this movie and the last movie. And uh, number one is PTSD. That seems heavily recurring between the protagonists of this film and the antagonist of the last one. But then the other common theme would be just dead children. Yeah. Everyone gets shot in this movie. AKA also the perfect reason for me to be on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. It, we, there always ends up being some weird reason that the universe decides to make, you know, like our pairings will somehow there will be a thread. There it is. Yeah. Dead children. Yeah, the more you fight against the universe, the more it really stands its ground and proves its point without your consent. Mm-hmm. I'll kill all the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and bathe in their blood. Mm. Oh, my God. Too many pee gags in this movie. Maggot bricks and pee gags. Like, How many men cool- are, are in his squad, by the way? So I felt like it like- kept changing. <laughs> It is. It, it does, rather. Um, it, 
five? Like five guys at the beginning, and then they seem to get knocked off, and then there's just a replacement batch of guys that are similar guys but different. They're less archetypal. Archetypal. Yeah, I get. I I kind of lost track of who was getting picked off, and I would just be like, "Oh no, it's the same core group of guys to the end." Nah, okay. they all get picked off, and then he links up with the lady, and then the 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 second woman to enter this film mm-hmm. is working with him to provide him with the information of his actual mission and then from there there just seems to be a whole new inexplicable swatch of comrades on his his core team right well you still had the guy who was a little rapey and then you had the guy who killed his wife i thought rapey guy got killed by traps because he made it to the end didn't he yeah he lasted yeah yeah it wasn't just we're not just new guy and just assuming the properties of the other guy. On no, he, I think he had a well, maybe he had a very distinct face. Somebody else who got impaled in the water. It was, I don't think that was rapey. Yeah, guy. I thought it was him, but it, it was, was actually mustache the guy, man number two. <laughs> it yeah. was the guy who was helping rapey guy. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I did think he died, and I'm like, oh wait, no, there he is. He's still he's still with us. Okay, so one thing's clear is none of us are actually certain on what happened with any of the characters. <laughs> no. The main character no. in this movie. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, there's that one there's... scene where they were crawling through the, the muck, and uh, all of a sudden one of them triggers a muck trap and like gets chopped in half. Like, or, yeah. We kind of don't really see it, and I'm like, who is that? <laughs> Was that a main guy? I don't know. And Somebody so... gets thrown into a pit of quicksand. And then this, <laughs> you just hear him. Quicksand, help. This is quicksand. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody else is just they're being picked up and bashed into trees. Like their crotches are being slammed into trees and their sides are just being slammed into trees as two larger men just carry them mm. by their ankles and wrists. And that's such a staple in these non exploitation movies is just traps everywhere. And I, I feel like this movie is definitely up there at, at the top with, with that. Oh, our hero gets a noose trap at one point, and he's being just hung from what seems like a noose with actually no harness attached to it. And then he pulls out a gun and shoots the guy that's pulling him. Yeah, that was that was fucking fly. That was I didn't understand how that stunt was pulled off. I think they actually just hung a man until like <laughs> yeah. no, there was fingers crossed. Oh my god, there were like no stunt guys, and like all those actors were really running through explosions and and coming really close to the brink of death. I feel. The platoon parallel at the end of the movie where he's like rescuing his friend, but he's running from all of the explosions and gunfire. Yeah. That is just an actor carrying another actor running through yeah. a gauntlet of real live explosions. Yeah, probably getting fired yeah. at with live rounds, too. Like, you, you don't know. Yeah, his friend <laughs> takes all the bullets and accidentally becomes a human shield that protects yeah. him, even though he was trying to rescue him. But in real life, that was the actor taking all of those bullets and protecting the actor mm-hmm. that is the hero. Yeah, R.I.P. It's real sadness we see at the end of this movie. <laughs> uh. Is the urine real, though? <laughs> Has to yes. <laughs> if anything's well, real in this movie, it's the urine. I don't think they had the budget for anything fake. Yeah. They're like, like the actors are like, can't we just use water? It's like, no, real urine. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to be real here. We want to be uh, genuine. Hey, man, you know, you're dehydrated and you're in the desert. Just drink your pee. Is that a thing? Is that real? Is that yes. Like- yeah. Ev- everyone does it out here in L.A. Yep. 
Wow. Okay. That's what Bear no, Grylls has taught me. That's what what? <laughs> That's what Bear Grylls has taught me. Nobody. No, I don't. Survivalist. I, I, I like that. I, I don't know why. I, I know it's man versus wild guy. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, At least I can depend on you. <laughs> <laughs> you that roll. You roll your eyes. <laughs> oh God! Firework torture. This movie was a. You know what the the big crime about this movie was and it, it... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thinking of all the possible crimes. Wow. <laughs> it's that I watched it alone. This is definitely Aww. a movie you should watch with like a big crowd or something like that. Like I mean, it's fun by yourself too. It's not it's not a bad thing, but this is like a crowd pleaser for sure. Totally. It's it's a party. It's just nonstop party for the people that like the things that we like. What's great about this, even if you did watch it on your, it's not waste. It's like there are some movies where I'm like, oh, I wish I watched this with like a with a group of people, just because one, I it was good for enough for me to watch, but maybe not again. But this is one of those movies where if you put it on, I'll, I'm like, I'm watching it. It's fine. This great is one point. of those movies that I will put on again for reasons that I will not even understand why I'm doing it. Yeah. Yeah, just because I just feel like I I don't know. Maybe I should just watch that again. Your kids are watching cartoons together and having a real like you know nice like kid moment, and you're just like, "Hmm, like cannibal uh, mercenary. Let's put that get the fuck out. (laughs) It's time for cannibal mercenary. (laughs) I I think that like if in the next marathon that that any one of us curates, we could I could easily throw this on and watch it again. Just yeah. to see w- w- how new people respond to it, would and be everyone enough. will love it. Yes, sick pick, Erica. That, yeah. that, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I was. No, this is the right the right forum for appreciation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was surprised <laughs> yes. how much I I really dug this movie. Um, would you I show went it to with... Rebecca? Ooh. No, God. <laughs> <laughs> nope. She's not there yet. Not there yet. No, or I don't even think I'm going to cover like more mainstream cannibal movies with her. <laughs> I love that. Really? None at all? There's, there's two words I, exist together. I know, mainstream cannibal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the year goes. She is doing um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre in May because National Brisket Day is coming up. So mm. we'll see how that goes, and then I'll see if I can do cannibal movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you give any consideration to Necromantic? You know what? You and John both keep pushing that, and like I, for the love stories, <laughs> no. <laughs> I got to get that under my belt. That's oh, sequel. Well, we'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but Joe, I mean, she is going to be doing a Bava, ser- like episode soon. Oh. Not soon, but by the end of the year. So I'm going to be calling on you for that. Yes, please do. Yeah. Joe's the man for that. I wish I yeah. still had my book. Mm. What your, book? Your Bava book? Yeah. What happened? I was hard up, and I could. I knew I could get money for it, so I sold it. I know that feeling. Like, and, and, and you know, it's funny that the guy who bought it for me even said to me, 
like in an email, like when we finalized details, he even said, "Are you sure?" <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah. Giving you a chance to back out here. Yes. That's a cigarette ash to the eye. Eh. Like, no, I'm not sure, but I need money, so. At least you know it's going to someone who appreciates it. Well, yeah. would have to. I mean, I don't know who else would buy it unless you were also <laughs> a Bava tard. He's just some <laughs> sycophant that just wants to rip the pages out of the book and eat them. Ah! <laughs> no one else can have it but me, and it's my <laughs> dessert. <laughs> it's my dessert. I'm gonna have nightmares later. No. <laughs> is that it? Did we cover everything? Is this movie a thumbs up or a thumbs down? This thing is a wild thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely thumbs up. A severed thumbs up. <laughs> big, big thumbs up over here, throbbing, pulsating. I'm going to introduce this thumbs up to all of my good friends. <laughs> Pissing all over the thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Awesome. That's awesome. Which of the two, I guess we all prefer this one, or is that what yep. the deal here? Yeah. yeah. Which is which is to bonkers say. to yeah. say, but yeah. yep. <laughs> I don't think I could have ever imagined myself saying that about this movie, but I am saying that about this movie. Yeah. There you go. The entire time I was I was watching, I'm like, I can't like this more than when a stranger calls. Like, there's no way. That's that sounds like almost blasphemous to say, but yeah, it's, I had way more fun watching it. Yeah, it's party. true. Erica, um, can can you tell us uh, where to find your podcast and when the next episode's dropping? Uh, yeah, it's uh, on any podcatcher you can listen. Just type in "customers also watched." You'll find it. Um. Best place to follow is on Instagram. I'm the most active there. Um, also on Twitter at CAW Podcast um, or Facebook. Customers also watched. Um, Letterbox is also a good place to follow just because you can see, um, you know, my ratings for the movies, not just in the podcast, but everything that I'm watching, which right now in quarantine is a lot. Mm. Um, let's see. Upcoming episodes I've got um, Psychic Killer. Um, the Whisperers, um, some Re Rebecca episodes I have coming up include uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hills Have Eyes. Um, what else? Oh, we're doing a Gene Hackman, the Thawne episode. <laughs> and uh, yeah, lots of lots of good stuff planned for her. Awesome. Thank you so much. Before we close out, there's something that I feel like I should address because this dawned on me the other day. So, Erica, hmm. your um, like your post with like your like your your logo and whatnot, and it has all of like the little you know podcasting logos and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when I was creating the our new template that we started with with the with the Tenebrae one, I was like, she's gonna think I ripped her off. Because I actually did the same thing in the corner, just with Spotify, Stitcher, and uh, Apple. Um, and then a thought occurred to me. And then I felt really bad because I did not even realize, I did not do this intentionally, but I actually stole your colors, kind of. 
I I do not You're... own the colors. I do not own the logos. It is all. I know. I know. But Joe. <laughs> I know. But I I did not do that on purpose. In case that had crossed your mind, I really did not do that. <laughs> I, I did not. S- okay. I didn't think of it that at all. So don't worry about it. <laughs> because so you changed happy. your because you changed your color palette slightly. Like the yellow was gone and the blue was not as prominent. Yeah. And then I realized I was like, "Oh, I straight up stole her yellow and blue from from her <laughs> from her avatar." Joe, so, sorry, so, you didn't Joe, steal. It's fine. And if anyone's going to steal, it's I'm happy that it's you. Okay, I am so happy you are bringing this up, Joe, because I was going to call you out so hard <laughs> and embarrass you to all of our listeners and our guests. In front of our guests. You can just re-edit it to make it that. <laughs> no, I didn't even notice. This is that's amazing. I, that's Ryan holds 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 supreme power over us all. Just start right now, Ryan. Joe, why did you steal Erica's logo? <laughs> and that's just what we'll start with. Joe just starts talking like Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah. I'm a man. I yeah. feel things. Yeah. I take what I want when yeah. I want. Turning the frogs. <laughs> <game>. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Next time on Late Night Psychorama, we are covering and watching The Fan from 1981. That's the American movie. And The Forbidden World from 1982. And Joe, who do we have joining us? We will be joined by Jared, who will fit right in. Long time listener and friend of the show. First time caller in. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait for that. Andrew. You can reach us at late night psychorama at gmail.com. Uh, we are also on Facebook and Instagram and most active on Instagram. So late night psychorama night spelt N I T E. And if you like this show or listen to this show, just oh God, I can't say enough about how much we appreciate those reviews. And the same goes for every show on the scribed film podcast network yeah there you go yo that's not what you said nope no oh okay. oh except two of the words <laughs> well now that, you know totally astute erica i'm i'm paying attention i'm part of, i've got to you know represent the brand now so you know yes yeah call us Hell out on yeah. that shit you keep us all in line <laughs> well shit Good show, everybody. Good night. Thanks for having me. Bye. Get out of here. Good night. Hey!
Ready when you are! 